So as Kev mentioned, um, six different areas. And the one I want to explore today is spiritual health. And as I started to explore what this could look like for us, how we would define it, how we would um, give it some, some context, it's pretty complex. Um, you know, just think for yourself right now, how would I define my spiritual self? What does that look like? How can I differentiate that from other parts of who I am? Maybe we don't have to. You know, the thing that I think is most true about us as we look at the biblical story, as we look at as human beings created by God for God, the thing that is most true of us is that we are spiritual beings living in a physical world. And we need to pay attention to our spiritual life as a priority. Now, the hard thing with this is the spiritual stuff is invisible. So it's hard to give attention to and make priority to something that we can't see. So quite often we easily neglect those aspects of our life that would lead to spiritual health. And as Kev just mentioned, that can have some really dire consequences for all other aspects of of our being. So I've wrestled with this a little bit and I've come up with a definition that I think might be helpful for us today. So to be spiritually healthy, this is in the Christian understanding, okay, Christian worldview shaped by scripture and the person of Jesus. To be spiritually healthy is to have all the essential parts of who we are. So that's our Thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our actions, our choices, our interactions with others. To be spiritually healthy is to have all those essential parts of who we are aligned with and dependent upon God. Aligned with and dependent upon God through his Holy Spirit indwelling in us as he gradually shapes us and moulds us to become like the person of Jesus our spiritual life is our life. It's our whole life. We can't compartmentalize it to break it into little sections. It's the, it's, the, it's the merging and the meshing of all those things that make us who we are as we are aligned with and dependent upon God. So to, to contrast that, the non-spiritual person in a Christian point of view is someone who is leading their life independent from God and his action with them. So the spiritual life, the spiritual person is one who is dependent upon and leaning upon God in all aspects of their life. The non-spiritual person is the one who is leading their life independently of God and his action on them. And with everything we have in life, we have a choice whether we step into a life with God or whether we want to live our life apart from God. So to remind us of what we are actually called to do as Christians, the Christian life, the goal of the Christian life, the purpose of the Christian life is to be formed into the image of Jesus Christ, for his character and nature to be formed in us as we are agents of redemption and renewal in our world. God's business, Jeff spoke about this really well last week, God's business is to renew all of creation back to himself. And he uses people like you and I to do this. So our Christian life is not 
as many of us would have been taught and many of us often think, it's not, I just need to believe the right stuff so I can go to this place called heaven when I die. That is not, never has been, the biblical picture of the Christian life. And we need to be reminded of that. So therefore, our spiritual selves, our spiritual life, the truest part of who we are, the eternal part of who we are, needs and has to be our greatest priority in our life. Our spiritual health is of the utmost importance in who we are and who we are becoming. And we have to pay attention to it. This is a passage that you have seen many times. And I was reflecting as I put this together, I've probably referenced this passage of Scripture more than any other in, in my time preaching, speaking, talking about Jesus. And you'll be familiar with it more than likely. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. So Paul in Romans chapter 1 to 11, has unpacked who Jesus is and what he's done and how he's brought us into relationship with him. He's, he's covered the sin issue. He's dealt with all that. And he unpacks that for 11 chapters. And then, so therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, I urge you. In other words, this is the most important thing you need to get your head around. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice just think of that phrase for a sec offer your whole self as a sacrifice to god which is holy and pleasing to god and this is your true and proper worship this is what it means to live life in relationship with god we understand who Jesus is. We understand what Jesus has done. We understand what that means for us. And our natural, our only response is that we actually give our whole self to God to say, do with me what you would want to do with me. And then it goes on. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? Jeff unpacked this a bit last week too. The pattern of this world is that life is about me that I am the centre of my universe, that I am the most important person or thing around. That's the pattern of this world. So don't conform to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's change the way we think about God. Let's change the way we think about who Jesus is and what he's done. And let's change the way we think about ourselves. This comes back to what we talked about about seven weeks ago, those core beliefs that we hold, that stuff under the surface. Then, once all that's in place, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And it's his good and pleasing and perfect will. What is God's will for your life? We often ask that question. Now, if only I knew what God's will for my life was, then I would be able to. God's will for our life is that we would surrender ourselves, allow us to be transformed by the indwelling Holy Spirit to become more and more like the character and nature of Jesus so that we can be part of the redemptive and renewing work that God's doing in his world. That's God's will for you and I. 
It's actually a fair bit more exciting than just trying to live your life on your own, doing your own thing. You're actually, we're actually invited into a story that is so much bigger than ourselves. So we need to do something. This is not, I, I don't want us to finish today. I don't want you to hear this and go, yeah, some of those things sounded familiar and I've heard some of that before and that all sounds good and I'm just going to move into this week the same I moved into last week and the week before and the week before. We've got to do something. And the doing, the key in that passage is that we have to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. What can that look like for you? Paul writes a letter to Timothy and we record this in in 1 Timothy and I want to read a passage out of the Amplified Version. It's 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 to 8. And just prior to this, Paul has been talking to Timothy about the truth of our faith and about warnings against false teachers, people who would say that, no, that's not really the way you need to live life with God. So he's giving Timothy some instruction there and then he says, if you point out these instructions to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished through study on the words of the faith and of the good Christian doctrine which you have closely followed. But have nothing to do with irreverent, have nothing to do with irreverent, is the word, folklore and silly myths. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. For physical training is of some value, but godliness, that is spiritual training, is of value in everything and in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. This is pretty clear. To live life the way God is ordaining us to live, desires us to live, has created us to live, we have a choice to do that, but to do that we have to train ourselves in some things that will help us do that and the training of that helps us live life today and tomorrow it's not just about the benefit we get on that eternal perspective but it's about right now and so what I know about training uh, you wouldn't know it looking at me but I used to be a PE teacher and I used to be fairly fit Um, in fact I laughed this week as I visited someone and he pointed out to me that I've noticed you've put on a few kilos. Um, I can see it when I see you on the screen. Thank you, I said. But it's true. Like, I'm, not, I'm not denying that. That's okay. Um, I'm more cuddly than I ever was. My wife likes that. But I know that training, in the let's just go purely physical, training takes time and you've got to be deliberate about it, and it takes effort, and you have to sacrifice some things in, able, in order to give yourself the time to do the training you want to do. We absolutely understand that in the physical sense. So time. What I do know is that we give time to the things that we value the most. That's what we do. And where we spend our time and how we spend our time indicates what we value. So I had a quick stock take of my life as I'm preparing this. 
I value watching sport because I actually give a fair bit of time to doing that. What do you value? Where do you spend your time? I was reminded of a story I heard many years ago, a pastor who was about to enter a very busy season of ministry called up his mentor and his question to the mentor was, you know, things are about to get pretty hectic, what can I do to stay spiritually healthy? And his mentor took quite a while to respond and then he slowly said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And so expecting more pearls of wisdom to come, the pastor wrote that down and said, okay, what's next? He said, there is no more, the mentor said. You need to know that the greatest enemy to our spiritual life and our spiritual health in today's world is hurry. See, when we're hurried, we we choose to live life at a hectic pace and it is a choice we make. Let's not be mistaken with that. The pace of our lives, the way our lives look, we choose it to be the way it is. And so we often will say then, well, we don't have time to do this. Um, you know, I can't give time to things that I know would help me grow and be healthy in a spiritual way. And sometimes our greatest challenge in all this is just to admit where our priorities lie. This is challenging. As I'm putting this together, I am convicted but encouraged So we often will take the easy way or the shortcut or find something to do that we think is productive or we think brings us meaning and purpose, but we know deep down it actually doesn't deliver the kind of results becoming the person that we want to be. So here's what is needed. We have to participate in what the Spirit is already doing. What is the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit is transforming us through our thinking, through our motives, through our responses. The Holy Spirit's work is to do that. So we need to align ourselves with what the Spirit is already doing. I am not a surfer and I am not a sailor, but I understand enough that if you're surfing and you want to catch a wave, or if you're sailing and you want to um, go where you want to go pretty quickly, you have to position yourself in such a way that you can benefit from the things that are happening around you. And it's like that with our spiritual life. The Holy Spirit's desire is to work in you and me to change us to become more like Jesus. So we need to position ourselves so that we can get into the flow of what the Spirit's already doing. This does not happen through intentions alone. This does not happen through wishful thinking. So my encouragement for you, here's one way we can step into exploring this a little bit my encouragement for you read just this small passage of scripture this week romans 12 so it follows on from what i just read verses 9 to 21 it's not that long 
And here's just a few questions we could ask about ourselves to get a bit of a, a, a litmus test to see where am I in my spiritual health. So this is one small passage of Scripture. And here's just a few questions you could ask that would help you get a bit of a stock take for where am I at? Now, I'm not sure how long this will be up. You can come back to this, take a photo of this maybe. You can come back and re-look at the sermon online, pause, get what you need to get. But some really good questions. Am I increasing in my love of God? Am I increasing in my hatred of sin? Am I increasing in my love of others? Am I increasing in the fruits of God's Spirit and in generosity and forgiveness? Because God's desire for you and I is that we would increase in those things. And again, as Jeff unpacked in our message last week, the evidence of a transformed life is an increase in love for God and others. And so while we're asking those questions, what about this? And I want to say all this, listen carefully, I want to say all this not to make us feel down about ourselves but to encourage us that there are some things we can be doing that are going to bring health to our spiritual lives. What if we ask these sort of questions of ourselves and these will come out of scripture as well. How regularly am I praying? Do I pray for others? How often do I engage with God through scripture? Am I experiencing a deep inner peace? Am I experiencing joy? Am I contributing to the local church? Am I sharing my faith with others? Am I living my life in such a way that others will be drawn to the person of Jesus? Do my thoughts and actions please God? Do I give my time and money and resources to God and others? Do I have a thankful attitude? Do I pray in all circumstances? Do I forgive others easily? Do I forgive myself easily? And the questions could go on. All of them help us look at where I'm at. Now, this is in the spiritual sense. Again, in the physical, we could do this. We could go to a doctor and we could have a full checkup and they could test a whole range of things. You know, lung health and heart health and blood sugar and all these types of things and we can get measures for them. And when we do that and we find something's a little bit off, generally in our physical health, we'll do something about it. That makes sense to us. Why would we not take a similar approach to our spiritual life, the thing which is most important about who we are? Now, all these things... All these checkups, all these measures, all these things that give us a picture of where we're actually at spiritually are not done to earn God's favour or God's merit. That's not the point of doing it. As I mentioned earlier, the goal of the Christian life is to have Jesus formed in us so we can be part of his renewing and redemptive work in the world. So we would do all of these things and improve our spiritual health so we can become the type of people that God uses to bring others to know him. It's again, it's an others-focused position that we take. It's not about me becoming holy and moly and God being really pleased with me, earning brownie points with God. That's not how it works. So I want to just give very quickly seven suggestions. See that? Seven, <laughs> seven suggestions. There's heaps more. 
and these will be familiar to you. This is nothing new. But my encouragement, other than looking at that passage from Romans this week, is that one of these things will be something you can bring some attention to this week. Seven things. First one, anchor our insurances in God's promises. This is where our core beliefs come from. If we can go to the Bible and it's right through Scripture and we can get in our minds and in our hearts and in in our inner being the truth of what Jesus says about you. These are things like God loves you. You are adopted into his family. You are a child of God. Your life is secure and eternal in Jesus. Just some core truths. Maybe write one down and put it somewhere prominent and look at it repeatedly until it sinks into who you are and and, and you just know that you know that you know that that is true of yourself. Some of us need that. All of us need that. Second thing, prayer. Conversational prayer. Now with any conversation, there's moments when you talk and there's moments when you listen. There's moments when you reflect. What is it that's going on in your world that you haven't talked to God about yet? Because when we talk to God about what's really going on, because we can sit back and go, look, God knows everything, so I don't really need to do that. But there's something about bringing how you're truly feeling in a particular area to God, which gives him permission to start to do some work in that space. Maybe you want to journal. Maybe you want to write down your prayers, your questions, your hopes, your dreams, your frustrations, just to present them to God. A third thing we could do, what, what if we aligned ourselves and reminded ourselves the fact that we live in and we are part of God's unshakable kingdom? That we are absolutely secure regardless of the circumstances around us. Some of us need to hear that. A practical way you might do that, as you wake of a morning, orientate yourself towards God. Bring God to mind, even as you're waking for the day. What would it look like possibly to, to just be aware of God's presence with you as you just change activities during the day? Whether it's a conversation you're about to have, a meeting you're about to have, an appointment you're about to have, and you just re- remember, God, I know you are with me, and so as I step into this thing right now, thank you that you're with me. Give me the wisdom I need. Give me the patience I need. What would it look like just to keep bringing God into your day-to-day actions and part of your life? And then there's a whole range of things we can do to remind ourselves that we live in God's kingdom. Now, for some of us, it's through music and song where, where the truth of who Jesus is can just flood over us. For some of us, it's being in nature. It's poetry, it's art, it's being creative. All these things can just help us bring our attention to 
to the reality of God being with us. Fourth one, Bible reading and study and meditation. You've probably heard heaps about this over many years if you've been in church, but there's something about the, the, the weight and the gravity and the sustenance and the nourishment that is found in the written word. And we need to spend time in that and allow that to wash over us and help transform us. Now, meditating on God's word can be really good to help us take our mind off ourselves and our problems and our wants. And what I love about engaging with the Bible like that is that God not only speaks to us and guides us, but he does that individually and he does that corporately together. What about, number five, supporting your spiritual health by being involved in in not only a church body but a home group, a small group where we can be disciples who are making disciples. You've probably seen this verse before too. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And the amplified version, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. Where are we placing ourselves to have that intentional Iron sharpening iron. We all need it. We are not designed to live a Christian life on our own. Sixth one, what about fasting? Now, not necessarily from food. There could be a whole range of things. But fasting is this idea that if we give up doing something in order to replace that time with focusing and bringing our attention to God. Maybe I need to be fasting watching sport. That would give me a lot of hours back in the week to focus on God and others, I tell you that. And the last one I just want to bring to attention is, is what about bringing health to our spiritual life by regularly giving because we're others focused? And that's giving whatever we have because we understand that whatever we have has been given to us by God. And it's been given to us by God so that we can bless others with it. And that could be our money, that could be our time, that could be our resources, that could be our, our gifts and our talents. And I love that giving reorientates our, our attitude away from ourself. It's not about me, but what can I do for you? How can I bless you? How can God use me to bring life to you? See, in the end, if we're spiritually healthy, the end result is that we love God and we love others. And that's actually what we're called to do. The greatest commandments Jesus reinforced is that you would love God and love others. That is the outcome of us becoming spiritually healthy. That we become people, we become families, we become a church that is about loving God and loving others. So maybe in some of this, we need to practice saying no to some things in order to say yes to some better things.
What could it be this week for you and for I that we need to say no to? I want to finish with, there's a passage that Paul writes to the church in Galatia. And out of the message translation, look at how he describes this. He says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others and ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Our spiritual health is of the utmost importance. Our spiritual health is often neglected because it's not visible and because it's not self-based. Can I encourage you this week, there's been something in this that has spoken to you, pay attention to it, do something with it, Talk to someone about it so there is some, some accountability and there's some encouragement and there's some, su- su- some support. But if we just sit here this morning and hear this and it tickles our ears and we do nothing with it, Jesus describes that like the foolish person who builds their house on the sand and when the problems of life come along, it just gets washed away. We don't want to be those people. So it's important to remember as I finish that any activities we do or any habits we form or any, any actions we make are not the end in themselves that God will be pleased with us. They're actually things we can do to grow in our spiritual health so that we can know God more deeply and become more like him. And it's grounded in the person of Jesus Christ. We can't earn our salvation, you know that. We are saved through faith, by grace. But we can and we need to make the effort to stay spiritually healthy. I want to finish with a prayer for us as a community. And this is a prayer that Paul writes to the Corinthians. So right at the end of his second letter to the Corinthians, he prays this, and this is what I believe Jesus wants to pray for us today, for you individually, for you as a family, for us as a church, in relation to what it means to step into a life where we are positioning ourselves into the wind and the flow of what the Spirit's already doing so that we can have spiritual health for the sake of others. This is the prayer. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with you all. Amen.